Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. The date is uh, Tuesday, February 19th. And uh, let's do this good news. Michigan State went 2-0 last week. They did. Two wins. Two big wins. Big wins against good teams. Not just that. Kept what we thought maybe a week ago very slim conference regular season conference championship hopes not just alive but alive and well yeah and last tuesday against uh well we'll get to them in a second here but um last tuesday was a huge day for michigan state's uh title hopes huge day in basketball huge day in basketball in general but um just a massive day for msu's uh, big 10 title hopes not only did they go on the road and beat wisconsin which we'll dive into more um, obviously with our full preview, but uh, their main competition, Michigan and Purdue, each lost a game, allowing MSU to now be, I believe, tied for the conference lead with uh, only six games remaining? Well, yeah. So let's back up. One one of the teams lost lost a game that you could forgive. Sure. Another one of those teams lost a game that you simply cannot forgive. Yeah, the matrix uh, would indicate that that was a bad loss. It wasn't just bad. You lost to a turd team. Yes. Stinky. Can't, downright putrid. Can't have it. Michigan loses on the road at Penn State, 75-69, to 69, despite Penn State's best efforts to choke it away. Tried hard. I mean, they Penn were, State was up by 20-something points in this game at some point? They, Close to it? Yeah, they and Louisville, who hosted Duke, oh, man. both took them. I mean, they, they both just really did their best to... to Give it away. Louisville did to Duke, which was sad. So uh, that was not fun. Penn State, though, held on, improved their record from last in the Big Ten to last in the Big Ten after beating Michigan. Really good job, guys. Maryland uh, took down Purdue 75 to 56 and kind of dominated. Um, I feel like last week, I remember I was trying to hype them up a little and, and that, like, I think College Park's a tough place to play. I think that they had the bigs to do it. And, um, Honestly, Carson Edwards got his, but everybody, Bruno Fernando, 12 points, 12 rebounds. It's just their problem down down low. So 
Um, even the score now, um, you know, as you mentioned, Michigan State, Michigan, both 12 and three. Purdue 11 and three, half game back. So mm-hmm. a little more work to do. We'll talk a little bit more about the remaining schedules in a bit, but. What I don't want to be lost in a very news-filled week of Michigan State basketball was how um, gutty and and maybe not enjoyable, but uh, to a Big Ten fan, highly entertaining win at Wisconsin. Yeah, let's let's dive in there. That was, you know, coming off of, I don't know, a a pretty tough stretch of games for for Michigan State. Um, You know, with they had a win against Minnesota. Uh, the weekend before this matchup with Wisconsin, obviously had a, had a nice win, a nice little uh, palate cleanser there. But previous, you know, losing three games, all for a variety of different reasons. The season seemingly kind of spinning out of control a little bit, um, giving everybody rightful cause for alarm. To go in and beat a Wisconsin team that was playing some really good basketball, um, the way that they did was was almost like. I don't know. I came out of this game being like, okay, like things things are fine now. Um, a sad preview for what's to come, <laughs> but um, I, I thought that was just so so impressive uh, offensively. Um, you know, Nick Ward had an incredible game, yeah. so efficient. And, and you know what, Austin? Everything was on the table for Wisconsin. Yep. I mean, they went from kind of an afterthought in the Big Ten race to cruising up the standings, and they had a home game. Um, you know, against a team that was semi-reeling. I know we got the bounce back win against Minnesota, but semi-reeling, and, and, and they were playing very much to be a part of the Big Ten race. Absolutely. Had everything on the line, and uh, MSU went in and won, and this stat may shock you, they're 12th out of 16 uh, games in this series. That's so, surprising. It's surprising, right? I was pretty surprised to see that number. And and I think, and I, I have to check, but I believe the last five. So, wow. So that's that would be shocking given so, given the fact that one or two of those games were played in the uh nine seed year. Mm. I mean, listen. The squad the squad has heart and for some reason uh Greg Gard just can't get it done. Yeah, and this is one of those games where you were it was just so impressive to see them get punched and punch back. In again, a hostile environment. One of the hardest environments to play in in the entire Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, a place that Michigan State has had games before. I remember back in the Denzel years, um, just had an absolute nightmare of a time playing up there. Uh, won some games there, but also had had a tough time. Um, and this game again, uh, a team that was like you said, kind of reeling. It was really impressive to see them kind of sack up and, and go win this game. I stand corrected. Michigan State didn't win five in a row. They've won six in a row. Six in a row. There you go. I mean, uh, even better. So they're not afraid. Madison is no longer the snake pit that maybe we once no. remember it to have been. It was at one point, and it was, and and now um, we have guys that have, have gone in there and won before. Uh, as we want to talk about specifically, you mentioned Nick Ward was great, um, but on top of that, their two best guards, um, you know, Demetric Trace and Brad Davison, ultimately no shows. Yeah, and that was one of the things we talked about going into this game was, you know, what. Wisconsin does to you is down low. They have one of the best big men in the entire country in Ethan Happ. And not only is he able to score down low, defend down low, alter the, you know, opponent's shots on the defensive end. Um, what he does so well is he just, another thing he does so well that sets him apart from other bigs is he distributes the ball. 
Yeah, he's and, a great passer. And having Davison and Trice each shooting up like close to at the time, if not above forty percent from three, that's a dangerous recipe. So you kind of have right. to you know pick your poison here if you're uh, MSU. And it was interesting to see them go at this um, the same way that Michigan did um, not long ago, and that was they kind of let Ethan Hap uh, have Get have his. his way a little bit and spent a lot of effort shutting down those shooters. Yeah, and they did a fantastic job. Um, you know, McQuaid's defense, again, we can't say enough about it. Um, maybe, you know, uh, Travis Trice was Colin Cassius Winston instead of his little brother uh, this week. I yeah, I mean, those two, though, just to give it a little more light to that, Davison and Trice went a combined 4 of 18 from the field, including Ooh. 2 of 10 from 3. And a garbage 3 at the end of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, I mean, so really, uh, a total no show from two guys that they they needed. They rely. On. They needed to play well. I mean, Hap Hap got his twenty points, twelve rebounds, yeah. uh, three assists, two steals, and a block. You, you can't ask for a lot more out of him, uh, except for one big area, and that's free throws. Yeah, um, that was sad to watch. Yeah, down the stretch, you know, for all that he, Ethan Hap is going to be one of those guys that I wonder if I was a Wisconsin fan, like. He's objectively so good, mm-hmm. but there's such a Achilles heel with him that you wonder how high the ceiling really is at a certain point. Well, you're looking at the ceiling. This right. is it. And, uh, you know, we talked about, I think we were texting about it, and it's like, at what point? I mean, you are a senior. You know that you are, you've never been a good free throws. This is not like a new thing. Nope. How and why are you not? trying any other method possible up and including the uh the rick berry granny i mean there's no shame yeah it's just well it's just a matter of pride well and that's and that's too damn bad right and that came back to bite him in this one he went 0 for 6 from the free throw line i think missing if at least four maybe all six of those like really down the stretch of Mm -hmm. this game when they needed buckets well in this game every felt like every basket mattered for sure 100 percent. and you know when they come away empty like that, it's almost like deflating, and and mm-hmm. he's not the reason they lost. You know, like we talked about, when you rely, if you rely on one guy to win a game every time, that's a that's a bad formula. Yeah, tough recipe. And, and really, um, no one else stepped up. Like I said, Davison um, and Trice, who are their number two and three threats, just not out there. And Reavers, Reavers, all, the guy I trashed, Drax, man. Yeah, the guy I trashed. Naturally, um, I said I didn't think he was good, and he came out and played played really well. Really served his role perfectly. Made three threes, scored eleven points, had four rebounds. Um, but th- they turned the ball over, you know, ten times. I feel like that Which might be kind of a lot for, for Wisconsin. Them, absolutely. Um, and it was those bigs, those two Reavers and Hap. Hap turned the ball over six times. So yeah. as for as much good as he does, off I mean, for as good as he is, I mean, he, I yeah. think he's probably a first team All American type player, first yeah. team All Big Ten at yeah. the very least, sure. uh, possibly Player of the Year in the conference. Um, he ended up biting them in the ass. And like you said, if you have one guy that truly controls your fate like that, as we've seen with games with Cassius Winston mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. Um, it can it can kill you. So not all good things uh, happen in this game. Um, only 11 team assists. Um, and, and I think the thing that stuck out to me was really, really rough end of game execution. Really bad. And, and fortunately, we get to kind of forget about that because it ended up going our way. But... Um, you know, MSU up three uh, with the ball out of bounds, uh, out of a timeout, uh, throwing the ball in right next to the be- to the bench, and just throw it right away. 
you know, you know, just th Kenny Goins and you know, throws it away. Uh, we, we survive that possession on a missed three that would have tied it up. Um, we get the ball back. Wisconsin elects to play defense, and um, no offensive possession, no nothing. Uh, Kenny Goins uh, bails everyone out with a three pointer, rattles it home, and and we all start celebrating, you know, and, and rightfully, but like that's not how you beat really no. good teams. And no. then even to make matters worse. Um, you know, Wisconsin misses a desperation three um, with about under 20 seconds left. Cassius Winston gets the ball and decides instead of just to get fouled and make his free throws, throws it 60 feet uh, to Ward. And to be fair, that is a fantastic fast break opportunity situationally. Right, not a why get Why even do it? And Ward catches it and one. Now we're really celebrating. But uh, things that make you just... Yeah, you're like, pull it, your it, hair out. it's one of those no, 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 yes moments. Yeah. And that's what it was with Kenny Goins. Quickly on Goins, I feel like that little segment there was yeah. just the most true Kenny Goins couple minutes that there will ever be in a basketball game. He has yeah. turned himself into such a good player. Like, he's such a good college player. I, I genuinely love having him on this team. And I, he's going to, I'll always have a special play, place in my fandom for him because of everything he did over these four years. Um, but he has these moments yep. where he just completely freaks. It's like he glitches and like, <laughs> he, it's like you jam the wrong button in a video no, I game. Hit the wrong button. Yeah. You're like, God damn it. I hit the wrong button. And you pass it like to the other team. They break away and score like, or you throw a terrible pick in NCAA or something like that. Like this is what that is. And then on the other end, he get he just gets this random three point opportunity and just cans it. Cans it absolutely cans it when he's shooting. I do think his percentages are pretty decently up actually from three because he's been shooting it pretty well lately. But like just cans a huge three. I mean the ultimate Kenny Goins experience right there. Um, That's well put. Was, the yeah. Kenny Goins experience very much. He's he's shooting thirty four percent from three this year. That's up like eight percent from not that long ago. He was shooting low like into the high twenties. Uh, just a couple games back. Yeah, and um, you know, has has hit more. This is not the first big shot he has made, um, and it won't be the last. As um, he had another opportunity in the in the very next game here against Ohio State. Yeah. So let's jump into that. Um, you know, Ohio State kickoff uh, you know, Sunday game. A lot of chaos happened in the Big Ten on Saturday, the game before, um, and 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 Keddy Goins just gives another really solid performance. The team only ten turnovers. Um, and, and really a, a dogfight through the first half. And we just kind of kept waiting for Cassius Winston to take over because he just had a really rough, you know, from a shooting standpoint game. Kept waiting for it and waiting for it. It didn't happen, but we were reprieved by uh, Matt McQuaid on both sides of the ball. Quaido played really well in this one. Um, he has not subtly become, like, one of the – well, especially – now is one of the most important players on this team. Yeah. And, and especially offensively, what I've loved to have seen, what I, I love what I have seen out of him in the last few games, especially because yeah. uh, Izzo made a point about it. And then it really seemed like it hit home with him in terms of just hunting his own shot. Um, against Wisconsin, he didn't get a ton of opportunities. I think more of that has to do with the pace and style of play in that when he only took six shots. Yep. But, you know, against Minnesota, he took nine shots, had 18 points. And this one, he took 12 shots, ended up with 14 points. You know, he's put up uh, at least three threes in each of his last five games. 
you know, that's what you really like to see out of Matt McQuaiden. I thought, especially in this one, you know, he just did a good job of making the open open shots. He only went five of twelve from the field, but went four of six from three. Wow. Uh, it, I mean, that's what's so going to happen. Yeah, I mean, one of five or whatever. Yeah, one of six from inside the three point arc. He's never going to be that guy. Like, if he's going to make look one or two pull ups from the elbow every game. Like, that's great, but it's not necessarily his game. And then once again, he played uh, absolutely excellent perimeter defense. I mean, Ohio State only had one scorer in double figures, and that was the center, Caleb Wesson. Mm-hmm. There are other guards. Uh, Luther Muhammad went one of nine from the field. Andre Wesson, who's a little more of a forward, went two of ten. C.J. Jackson goes three of nine. Uh, Dwayne Washington goes one of seven. I mean, part of this is Michigan State's excellent defense. The other part is just the second half for Ohio State. They could not buy a bucket. And I will say, watching this game, the fact that they were down at half after watching the first half, like, to me, it wasn't it wasn't like MSU was playing poorly. Mm-hmm. It, it was really that Ohio State was it, – it was a reversal of luck. Mm-hmm. Ohio State was – canning these shots that were just terrible shots Mm -hmm. and Michigan State had I think in the first five or six minutes had four shots just go basically down and out so really I think I don't know that this was even now yeah I mean I would say even more than really this 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 score doesn't really tell this story I think it's a little exaggerated in terms of like the final margin I will say that um the difference even in nights when Michigan State's not scoring to their maximum potential the difference in watching them and a team like Ohio State or a team like Minnesota is just that when MSU's not hitting, mm-hmm. it's because they're just not making open shots. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things you talk about how they lead the nation and assists. A byproduct of that, yeah. obviously, is they get great shots. They yeah. get great shots all the time. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Goins, again, even when he can that three against uh wisconsin it was a great shot opportunity even out of a garbage set like they don't take many forced opportunities which credit to michigan state's coaching staff for coming up with an offense that gets them consistently good looks but i I think in this one like this was just a case of you know ohio state just you know they don't adjust all that well john and i were talking before this started um they just don't really have like a lead guard right now like I think Luther Muhammad's gonna have some very real game and gonna be a real problem for people because he's got a fun handle and is kind of crafty but you know their best player is Caleb Wesson and they do nothing to get him the ball more than I mean he took 11 shots Andre took Andre Wesson took 10 Muhammad took nine Jackson took nine Washington took seven if you are so if your best player who is again possibly a first team all big 10 type player if he's not taking significantly more shots than everybody else on a team that is constructed this way mm-hmm. and just has like a it's not their fault it's it's not their fault but like this team is made up a certain way like the personalities and the skill sets yeah. are such that Wesson should be the center the the focal point is they should run their team more like Wisconsin does than the way that they do but they're still very guard focused and they yeah. just don't have the bodies right now. But uh, to MSU's credit, um, really to the subs credit, like the starters in this game, I guess I shouldn't say the starters, but, you know, Cassius goes three of 15 from the field. Yep. Uh, Aaron Henry plays 10 minutes. Right. And then, well, since we have to talk about it. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Nick Ward 
as you've read, as we've all, t as everyone's uh, cast across the nation, national news, hairline fracture in his hand. Um, makes a brief return in the second half, um, only to to be sidelined with a, in a what looked like a temporary cast. We'll talk about that impact momentarily. As a byproduct of that, um, a a I don't even want to, what we want to call this unit that had to be patched together. Mash unit. Yeah, came out of the court in with nine minutes to go in a tie game, and really just to survive. Cassius Winston was running on fumes, and enter in Foster Lawyer, uh, Matt McQuaid, Kyle Arns, Kenny Goins, and Thomas Kithier. And their sole purpose was to not let it get too far away. <laughs> and and they did the make it a lead we can overcome. Let Cassius sit for long enough that he can bring us back. And they did way more than that. They played one of the most spirited um, handful of possessions, and it looked like the Breslin Center was just roused, you know, by the performance. Everyone was holding their breath, but that they just played inspired, defensive stop after defensive stop. All because of help defense, which was just like so perfect. Yep. Offensive possessions that, like you were talking about, got good shots. Even handled um, a genius move out of a timeout by Chris Holtman, who went zone after a timeout where Tom Izzo decides to roll the dice and keep that unit still out there. Holtman says, I'm going to cancel out whatever play they just called by running a zone. I haven't yep. run almost, I think, all game. And Kenny Goins cans a shot in, in, in Wesson's eye. And you're just like, wow. Wow. Well, I mean, in a in about a two-minute stretch, you had a three from Goins, a three from Ahrens, and a three from McQuaid. And, a, and then a two from, from a long two from Goins. And, right. And that was the game. Cassius then was able to re-enter and maintain the rest of the possession and held Ohio State to, was it, 12, 13 13 points. points in the second half. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and all with Nick Ward out. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's the type of play that, as we talk about the impact of the Ward injury, that Michigan State's not – that doesn't have to be the gold standard, but now you you need these guys to start making plays. And it was great to see, you know, in a game that you need to win, to stay in the Big Ten race. Have to have it. To have your guys step up, especially, I mean, honestly, just to see Arns more than anything else make some shots has been a beautiful thing. Can we talk about Arns real quick? We sure can. So, uh, if you forgot, his little brother uh, on Ohio State. Two quick stories. One, when Justin Arns entered the game in the second half, uh, Kyle yelled at him <laughs> that he had him. And it was, it was taken care of, which, <laughs> which was the case. And number two, when Kyle Arns hit the shot um, to put MSU up by three, a uh, drive by Matt McQuaid to the basket, kick to Arns in the corner, Arns cans it. We saw him miss that shot two games ago at home when we were starting to question if he was ready for yeah. those types of shots. Cans it. Doesn't just can it. As he comes down the court, one, two, threes his fingers and points at his little brother I love on it. the sideline. As an older brother, I absolutely love it. And, you know... <laughs> If that's what you need, great, because we're going to need all of that and more moving forward from that kid. Yeah, he's, again, he, this is the first time he's made multiple three-pointers in a game since Louisville. I mean, so and now now or never, 
and we're going to we're going to talk about the next two matchups and how important it will be to get a lot from yeah. a little from a lot of people. Yeah, but just to put a put a bow on this one, um, I think you know, really impressive game from the bench, uh, and and really kudos to the to the coaching staff and to to this entire team for picking picking up their best player. Cassius and making yeah. it because again I don't think 18 point difference tells the story of no. this game I do not it was not that big of a win no ab- absolutely not and and you're right Cassius Winston is an all-american <clears throat> and Cassius Winston is allowed to have off nights mm-hmm. and the team picked him up you know in a team that without Nick Ward picked him up right how encouraging a team without Nick Ward and without Josh Lank I mean to without you know yeah the heart and soul of your team so let's <clears throat> talk what the implications of the Nick Ward. Wah, wah. Well, you know, the season moves on whether we want it to or yep. not. We are still, Michigan State is still very much in the thick of the uh, conference title uh, race, as we mentioned. Nick Ward, uh, initial timetable for, for return is three to five weeks, starting uh, on Monday, February 18th. That's 21 to 35 days. The big So he is done for the regular yeah, season. Regular, yeah, to paint it into black and white. He is not going to return during the regular season of uh, Michigan State's regular season. And, yeah, and, and I guess I can't say that for sure. It would I, be shocking. So the Big Ten tournament, um, Michigan State is all but almost assured, I think a 99.4% chance of being in the top four in the Big Ten, which means you get a double bye. So the first Big Ten tournament game is 25 ga- days away. Again, that is within the 21 to 35 uh, day timetable. If you win in the Big Ten tournament, you play the next day and the next day. So 25 to 27 days for the Big Ten tournament. If uh, he does or doesn't play, uh, the NCAA first round game would be 31 or 32 days away, depending on if it's a Thursday or a Friday. And the NCAA second round game would be 33 to 34 days away, depending on if it's Saturday or Sunday. There is a chance that uh, Nick Ward is able to return for the Big Ten tournament game. There is a chance that Nick Ward is unable to play until a potential Sweet 16 game. Anywhere in the middle of that. Yeah. And it will be a, not a week by week, it will be a day by day. Yep. And unfortunately, no one will probably know until the pressers, and even then, no one will know. We won't know. You will not know when Nick Ward is coming back. Until you see him step on that floor. <laughs> I will not be surprised at all. Almost Actually, an advantage. I would say there is a gamesmanship level it's, it's to this I mean. when it comes especially to especially to the NCAA tournament. But definitely part of it is the Big Ten tournament. Um, there's an advantage in going into that game with that unknown. I mean, Michigan State's all, they're going to play the way they're going to play. I To give a little preview, I don't think this changes the way that they approach every single game. I don't think this changes how they how they um, attack teams offensively, at least for the most part. I think it limits what they can do in certain areas. They become a much more perimeter-oriented team, especially when mm-hmm. Xavier Tillman is now going to be out of the game, and you're relying, again, to give you a little preview, on the Kithiers and the Marks Binghams of the world. But I think from a opponent preparedness standpoint, this could be, in the NCAA tournament, a, a, a chip... No, it's, it's a chip we'd rather not have. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting so, thought. So, okay, we'll come back to it at the so end. So let's talk about the rotational uh, implications here. 
you know, um, everyone knows the, the, the roster. There are only so many cards in Tom Izzo's hands. Those cards are Xavier Tillman, um, who plays 21 minutes a game right now, averages. He's played in every game. Thomas Kithier, who averages five minutes a game and has played in 20 of 26 games. Marcus Bingham, who uh, averages four minutes a game and has played in 18 of 26, mo- almost over half of which were garbage time yeah. minutes. And then um, Braden Burke, 1.1 minutes a game, has only played in eight uh, of 26 games, all of which were garbage time. Those are your bigs. Those are the, the, you have four left. Um, how he uses them, and, and this does not include Kenny Goins. Right. What has to happen here is you have to replace 23.2 minutes a game from Nick Ward. Now, how you do that with these four plus potentially Kenny Goins, who Tom Izzo and his presser said he did not want to put Kenny at the five. We all lived that nightmare. He did his <laughs> best. Let's never revisit it. We got to find... 23 minutes from those four players. So I think when you talk about how do we piece this puzzle together, um, I think the obvious first step is Xavier Tillman is going to have to bump up his minutes. From 21 to... From 21 to, you know, somewhere around 27, 28. I mean, he has to become what MSU hasn't really had at that position uh, in a very, you know, since Matt Costello, maybe. And and that's a good call. And... To, to hammer on that, it can't be more because he physically probably can't do more. right. I mean, you he can't, has a ceiling. You, he can't be Cassius Winston playing right. thirty-seven, thirty-eight minutes a game for a big. It's a completely different uh, equation. Um, now, I do think if he can get to twenty-eight minutes, I think one thing really, even before we assess this, is I, I don't think personally that the step down from Ward to Tillman, when you look at their entire game, mm-hmm. is large. At all. I actually think it's On which it, end it, of the floor? It's incremental. Well, I'm saying as a whole. Often, I think defensively, I actually think it's a slight step up. Uh, Xavier Tillman is a better defender than Nick Ward. Nick Ward has done a remarkable job of getting into better shape, moving his feet better, and becoming an average, capable, capable defender. Which, mm-hmm. when you remember what he was doing as a true freshman when Michigan State had only Kenny Goins behind him, mm-hmm. uh, like you didn't have... <laughs> Like he couldn't stay on the floor because he couldn't stop fouling people. Yep. And he has does that's out. That's out of his his genes now. Um, I think MSU has been running him 23 minutes a game because you've got two really good bigs, and if they're fresh and they're running, it's yep. a better way for MSU to win games. Now, I think defensively, again, I think Tillman's a better defender. He's a better shot blocker, better athlete, longer arms. He can check anybody. He can switch better defensively than Ward can. Um, so I think defensively, it's actually a slight step up. Now, offensively is where things get really interesting. Nick Ward is an elite finisher around the rim, nationwide. Uh, no questions there. Um, we have seen him struggle with double teams, which can limit the offense a little bit, and he doesn't stretch the floor a ton. There are limits to his game. Now, I don't know that Xavier Tillman necessarily solves all of that, mm-hmm. but I I think the biggest step down offensively is just the ability to finish. He's not going to finish at the same rate. I don't think his offensive game is terribly different from Nick Ward's. He's got better range than Nick Ward. He's actually made a couple threes this year. Uh, I think the difference is the level of attention that another team is going to give the bigs now 
is going to be significantly less. You don't have to really game plan for Xavier Tillman the same way you have to game plan for Ward because he's just not as clinical. Mm-hmm. Now, that could work to his advantage, maybe, because yeah. he's going to get the ball a little easier, potentially. But um, he's never been a featured option of this offense. You're losing, you know, really the only other reliable scorer besides Cassius Winston. So offensively is where I think you notice the the step down. But I I don't think that's a huge step down. Where I get worried here is filling, is, is backfilling, you know, Probably not all of Tillman's minutes. Probably closer to like 15 of his his minutes as opposed to the full 21 because he'll be kind of bumping up and taking some of those ward minutes. It's become for the first time all year, aside from maybe Foster Lawyer, the time when you're going to have somebody on the floor where you're like, just be neutral. Just don't be a negative here. And we're going to be just fine. And we've, we've lived those in the past. Oh, plenty Col- of times. Colby... Well, Mike Keebler, Austin Thornton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, the list goes on. There's tons of them. Um, at a point in time, I mean, Tum Tum offensively mm-hmm. was absolutely that. Like, there are plenty of examples. And MSU has gotten through them. They've had less talented teams than this one's going to be, mm-hmm. even with these other guys playing. I think this is going to be the most interesting opportunity here comes for Thomas Kithier. A guy that we've talked about here, and I think it's interesting – the narrative on him has completely shifted since the beginning of the year where you're like, is this guy ever going to be able to play? <laughs> he just looked like he had mm-hmm. never played uh, like basketball a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's done is he's carved out a little niche for himself recently yeah. where he is just the try hard, <laughs> set hard screens, defend, give five fouls if you need to, and just fight for rebounds, get good positioning. Yeah. Again, we have seen less talented players than Thomas Kithier survive in this role before. And now, do I think he's going to be some superstar? No. Do I think he's a guy who can steal 12 minutes a night? Up from five? It'll be interesting. Probably has to be more than that. It's probably going to have to be more over 15. Okay. Because he's he's given us five already. You need more. Yeah. <clears throat> let's go back and let's talk through the the Xavier Tillman um, and Nick Ward comparison. Um you know, our, our boy Nick Ward has put together quite a silent um, defensive presence from a shot-blocking standpoint. Absolutely. Um, and, and while Xavier Tillman is, is rightfully flying up the charts as well on the, the all-time uh, block leaders, Nick Ward will be missed. He is currently uh, just past Drew Namick for, uh, to be the fourth most blocks in, in Michigan State history, currently 47th in the Big Ten. And here's, it's not just the blocks. Uh, Michigan State is currently number one in the nation um, and defending two-point baskets. It's impressive. And as we know, most teams that are taking two-point baskets, they're in the paint, unless your name is Josh Lankford. (laughs) So um, Nick Ward isn't always blocking shots. He's making them more difficult because he just has the strength to move you a little further out than you want to be. Now... Thomas Kithier probably is not going to be able to do that. Probably You're not. You're going to see the sec- the two-point field goal percentage go up. It's just going to go up. And there's nothing we can do about it. Um, that's going to make life a little more difficult, and that's maybe the one area where you're going to see it doesn't show up in the box score where Nick Ward is doing something, um, but you're losing about 70 pounds from Kithier. And if Marcus Huge Bingham, step down. And, and, and 100 from Marcus Bingham. Yeah, so, it's, it, that's a big, that's absolutely a, a 
critical talking point because that is where it, it you're dipping into the third tier of your big men. Yep. Like you don't, there are not many teams in the country that can look at their third big and think, okay, they are physically something like Kentucky, mm-hmm. where you have like. Uh, this huge dude, like four seven footers coming off the bench and all this stuff. Yeah. So you just have to set expectations here, like you said. Um, it's it's survival, it's survival, and especially when you look at the rest of the you know the the schedule here in the regular season, you're talking about going up against teams with 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 big size. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, Rutgers and Michigan. We're coming up this week here in a second. Rutgers is a huge team. Michigan has bigs. Uh, Nebraska, not as much size, but you got Michigan twice. Indiana, we saw what Deron Davis did to Nick Ward. I mean, I'm not saying Michigan State's going to lose any of these games. I'm not saying they're going to win any of these games. But there, it becomes a very real part of any given game plan. And it's going to necessitate now a much larger concentration on team rebounding, team shot blocking. You're just right. And... In, in- and here's here's something to consider. Xavier Tillman is the most foully guy on the team. He likes fouls. He statistically averages more personal fouls a game than anyone else. And, and that's now a death sentence. Can't happen. It is. It is. And I do wonder. I will say I'll put Izzo on the hot seat a little bit, or, or I would I would challenge him in that if the rubber meets the road, and and Xavier Tillman picks up three fouls in the first half. You're really going to roll with Thomas Kithier for better or worse, and you're not going to experiment with Kenny Goins and throwing another wing in there? Well, I'm just saying, if you believe him yeah. that that's not going to happen at some point, sure. you haven't paid attention. Yeah, and I think and, and we're talking about a best-case scenario and a worst-case situation mm-hmm. right now. And and if things get that dire, then it's all hands on deck. Right, but that's so. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if I see it. I think MSU yeah. has a little more wing depth yeah. to play around with yeah, if he's yeah, comfortable yeah. playing yeah. Gabe Brown. Because then you talk about, I mean, you could realistically run a Cassius, McQuaid, Henry, Arns, Goins, five out there. There's almost no size to speak <sighs> of. However, you could do it. You could do a lot of things. You could do a lot of things. <laughs> we could run Braden Burke at point guard. Why not? Um, but I'm just saying it's, it's possible. I think this opens up, again, just... We'll finish talking about the rotation implications, but huge area of opportunity for Kithier. I mean, honestly, if he if he comes through and is anything more than an if he's even a neutral player, he's already a folk hero. I mean, he's already a hero. You know what? This is this is I'm talking out of my ass right now. This is different from usual. Very true. Got it. Continuing normal conversation with you. Thank you. If there was ever a time to pull a Judd Heathcote and hide. Here's Xavier Tillman, folly guy. The 2-3 zone is... And here's the deal. You don't have to be good at a 2-3 zone. You have to just survive and hope teams miss. Duke Duke made a living doing it last year. None of those kids could defend. None. And so what do they do? Packed it in and said, we hope we're going to out-offense you. Now, I don't know if we can out-offensive you, but when you're talking about the lineups you're talking about... Yeah. (laughs) Well... That's interesting. So that's not, something I had not necessarily considered. Only, but but it is one of those things. It's like running, like we want to be a running team. It's mm-hmm. the same shit that mm-hmm. he talks about every single year. We're gonna sprinkle in a little bit of zone. Now this, 
That's a great point. If there's ever a time to do it, it hides some people. Th this would be, this would be that time. And there is one specific opponent that I think that might work pretty well against. Ooh, we'll get to that. Yeah. So we talked about the rotation implications. Let's talk seating implications quickly. Um, I want to remind everyone that the Kenyon Martin rule is in place. If you're unfamiliar, uh, Kenyon Martin uh, was awesome. Very good. On uh, the University of Cincinnati, and they were undefeated in the best team, or at least number one or number two in team in the country. He tragically broke his leg in the, what conference? I think the Big East is when uh, Cincinnati no, they was were, in No, they were in like the, uh, were they in the Big hey, East? Man, it might have been in Big East. Long, long, back in like 2001. Yeah. And, yeah, he was in the O2 draft. And, uh, and, they, and they, um, they dropped Cincinnati to a two seed, even though they had the resume of a one. Mm -hmm. because they lost their all-first-team All-American. Now, things are subjective. Uh, the tournament committee may say things like, that is not going to happen anymore, blah, blah, blah. They, and they may you know, go back on that. That said, Michigan State has one of, if not the best tournament resumes. And I think people forget, Austin. Mm. People forget. Mm. You know, all the way to the point where, you know, a week and a half ago before the Minnesota game, we had people telling us that we'd be lucky if Michigan State made the tournament. Yeah, it's that was crazy talk. And here's why. MSU has 13 Quadrant 1 or in combined Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 wins. 13. That's tied for second most in the nation. Only four teams have 14. Michigan State has the most Quadrant 1 wins. 10. That's the most of any team in the country. And if you split it in half, there are what are called the Quadrant 1A wins, which is the top half of those. MSU has tied for third most with five. Kentucky and Kansas have six, and Duke has seven. It is quite literally one of the top five or best resumes right now in the country. They're currently projected as a two-seed on BracketMatrix.com. And for those unfamiliar, Bracket Matrix takes every single bracket, not just Joe Lunardi, who doesn't know Dick, <laughs> and everybody's bracket and, and creates an average. Currently, Michigan State is a number two seed and sixth overall. That, so that's like a universal thing. So let's say worst case scenario right now. Let's say things get real bad the final five games in the Big Ten tournament. Let's say they go two and three. Because I just have to believe that Michigan State can beat a Rutgers team with this roster, worst case, and split with a home game against Nebraska and at Indiana. Yep. Okay? And they lose two to Michigan. And then let's say they lose to... Uh, their first round of the Big Ten tournament. Okay, so they go two and four down the stretch. That would still currently likely project them as the last number three seed. And you may be, sit on your seat and say, how is that possible? Here's why. Here's who would be the four seed. Do you really want to put LSU ahead of them? Do I you, don't. Do you really think that Nevada is going to take, is better than them? Maybe. Texas Tech, Iowa State. These are the teams that you're negotiating with at this point that are that are fighting for that last three seed. Now, very very much certainly, Michigan State could drop to a four because of the subjective reasoning we talked about. Don't know if Nick Ward's coming back, blah, blah, blah. But now we're talking about a very worst-case scenario where they go two and four down the stretch. MSU's a four seed. Still feel pretty good about it. I mean, I'll still take it. At this point, given everything they've gone through this season, you, you have to be okay with it. And that's where you have to go back to the beginning of the season and say, yeah. Is this a four seed team? Or right. a team? And we'd be like, yeah, that feels right. Yeah. And this is a worst case scenario. And I think what we also, people forget, the Big Ten is the best league. 
-hmm. It's not disputable. They will get likely nine bits. Nine. Nine of 14. That's an ins- that is, pro- I think, the most Big Ten has ever put it. So, I mean. It's got to be. It's got to be. And it M- has to be. And MSU is sitting on the top of those, all of those teams right now. Right. So, this is not like last year's Big Ten where, you know, we couldn't find a Q1, Q2 win. Right. We literally haven't played a not a, a Q3 game since December. That's how tough That's this crazy. league is. So, feeling good. So, all things considered, listen, this is not this is a, a net negative. I think we would, all, we would all agree. Not good. However, you know, it. reading the tea leaves here, <laughs> there is a decent chance, based on the timeline given, now we have no idea how accurate that is, obviously, based on the timeline given, a first or second game appearance from Nick Ward is not out of the question at all. Mm-hmm. And if this team can survive through those two games, it would stand to reason that he may there's a pretty good chance he would be back for a second weekend now we've seen great teams yes. <laughs> lose before that yes. so we don't want to put the cart before the horse but if you're just laying out the black a, and white uh-huh. what what we know based on the actual timeline that is in all likelihood one last thing and then we're going to talk about the big big 10 games of the week from last week personally i would be very surprised very surprised if he plays in that big 10 tournament yep. even if he's healthy Okay. And this is also one of those Big Ten tournaments. We'll talk about this more later. I don't care if they lose in their first game. Yeah. And here's here's it the doesn't other, matter. And here's me. the other thing. Maryland's you get a matchup against Maryland. With no Nick Ward. With, with no Nick Ward. Yeah, that's a tough one. We got problems. We got a lot of problems. You had a problem going into that game with Nick Ward. Yeah. You know? You got so. a lot more coming out of it. But overall, I would say chances of Nick Ward coming back sound it sound it sounds like it's a possibility. Sound, it's not what else over. can you ask for? It's not over. Point. Nope. Okay. Big Ten games of the week last week. Uh, we already alluded to Purdue dropping one in College Park to Maryland. And then Maryland on Saturday went into Michigan and just kind of didn't show up. Yeah, Maryland with a, a very, hey, we're super excited now. Oh, that's right. But you know what? Thanks for getting one. Hey, Puts we needed on that the board. one. That that's was a the, big was more one. Important. That was a big one. Oh, it was a much bigger one. Because Purdue, like we talked about last week, that's that was the only game where you looked at Purdue's schedule and like they could lose that game. That is it. And now we're now you're hoping. And again, that's Maryland though. Yeah. Just oh, up yeah. and down and up and down. Which is kind of why I kind of love them in the tournament. Oh, I think I think that's a team with the right matchups that's easily a Sweet 16 team. I would not want to play them as like if, if they're court. a 5 or a 6. Ooh, monster I don't want to play them. Two first rounders in their front court. Yeah, I don't want to play them. And guards that can get hot. I don't. I that is the team. Add them to the list. <laughs> okay. Uh, national games of the week. Kentucky went into to LSU. Uh, LSU got their signature win on the year. No, LSU went to Kentucky. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. LSU went to Kentucky. Got their signature win on the year. Very few people. on a, a suspect call. Talk about it. Suspect call. It looked a lot like offensive uh, goaltending. Mm-hmm. That ball was definitely not outside of the cylinder. Um, non-reviewable. Non-reviewable, which is, of all the things we spend our time reviewing, you would, you would think mm-hmm. uh, flagrant fouls on a friggin' jersey pull, and we're not going to re- review, like, review that? A game-ending. Sh- game like, literally, a, a possibly, 
it turns out it might not end up being the end of the world for Kentucky. But this is a game that is going to affect seeding. Yes, absolutely. Maybe not for Kentucky, but definitely for LSU. Absolutely. And I say only maybe not for Kentucky because we'll fast forward to Saturday. Kentucky absolutely beat the brakes off of Tennessee. Are you shocked Rick Barnes lost a big game? A Rick Barnes team losing <laughs> a big game? No, I'm not shocked. I was, I was surprised to see just how... They just didn't look ready. Like, they did not look ready for the moment. And all of my fears about Tennessee, if I'm, like, a Tennessee fan, they all came true in this one. When those yep. – those they do not have shooting. Like, Schofield, not a guy you want shooting threes, takes them. Mm-hmm. Grant Williams, again, they can both make them. Yeah. But they are they are somewhat duplicates of one another. Now, they can dominate the glass, but Kentucky's got size. Kentucky's a team with real size and athleticism, and t- Tennessee just doesn't have guards. I mean, Jordan Bone's good, but he's not going to kill you from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, they have – that's a team where – Everyone wants them as their one. I would be smitten. Even as a team without Nick Ward. Everyone wants We Rick wouldn't Barnes. play them until a second weekend, yeah. but I would be thrilled with Everyone Tennessee Everyone wants Rick Barnes. Thrilled. If you got to play in. I just it's it's a team that is it's built in a way that I'm not sure is going to win games in March. Duke went on the road at Louisville Ugh. and came back on that crazy Tuesday night from a 23 point deficit to win. Unbelievable action. I mean that 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 collapse was monumental. Yeah, and that just absolutely sucks for MSU too. I, I think Louisville is still a Q1 win. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, like, absolutely. But, like, it's still the strength of that Q1 win yeah. would change. It's um, and it would just bring Duke down a little bit. I, don't, I mean, Duke's not getting a one seed no matter what. Exactly. But it would have been fun to see them appear mortal. But now it's, I mean, it's, it's funny because Duke is that, it's like Bama. Where like a, 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 a little team, like a, a Kentucky football or somebody like that, like, God. you jump out and get a lead. And even if it's a big lead, like a two score lead, just unless you're Clemson, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're you know you're looking at it and you're like, holy shit, yeah, we're up by this much. Let's just not blow it. And then oh, no. and then you watch things start to happen. And you're like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh, god. no, 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 no. And then you're like, it can't actually happen, right? And then it all happened. I personally can't even believe Duke got down by twenty three. I don't know. How, I mean, I think they get bored. I think they like playing with their food. I think that, Seriously, I yeah. think that's a big part of it, and well, they're not a good shooting team. That's right; they are not a good shooting team. It's true. Fortunately, I they stand have, by my take. <laughs> I don't think anyone disagrees. Unfortunately, they have, as we talked about, three of the top five draft picks who can just get to the basket when they feel like it. So, Cam Reddish, if he's a top five pick, that's a mistake. Okay, I'm just saying. I can find a six eight streaky shooter. You can find that. I wish we had one. No, I would take it. <laughs> um, I'm not. <laughs> Please do not misconstrue this as I would not want Cam Reddish on my team. Uh, Iowa State went uh, to Kansas State, and the reason why of that course game, this happened. It, Iowa State upsets Kansas State, and all of a sudden, KU sniffs life. I was watching this, not watching this game, but like tracking it on my phone, and I saw it at the end. I'm like, yep. yeah, of course. This, of course, this would happen. Now, now there are plenty of games to be had. Kansas is still not in the driver's seat, but they needed that. But this was like the first domino. The first domino, exactly. Um, And then, uh, you know, we talked about last week teams you don't want to play. I don't know if you had a chance to watch Murray State uh, at Austin P. Sure didn't. Okay, well, 
it's worth watching Murray State. John Moran. Oh, John Moran is incredible. I mean, he's he's the number two pick, maybe number three. Pick. He's Russell Westbrook. He's unbelievable. Yeah, no, he's Russell. I mean, it's and he's the same smaller player. than you want him to. Like you watch him and you're like, that's not him. Yeah. Like when you're like, I've never seen this guy play. That can't no, be that's, him. No, that's one of the dudes that you get in a, even a D1 weight, like a, not a D1, like a power five weight room. Man. And you're talking about a different player. This you're dude, talking about an NBA weight room. This dude, this dude's he an had animal. 32 points. Uh, it was an awesome game. Uh, another big game, uh, Buffalo uh, went on the road at Toledo. The uh, reason that one was big is because Buffalo is actually not favored in that game, I don't believe. Crazy. And the last one, all VCU took down Dayton um, with a bucket of six seconds to go. The reason we talk about these three teams are the teams you don't want to play. Uh, these are all the teams that you might see in that first weekend. And yeah. we've identified some that we don't want. Um, all three came away victorious in games that they, I don't think, were favored to win, uh, at least at least from the Ken Palm, not from Vegas. Buffalo's probably shaping up as a, uh, a round of 32 type game. They might find themselves, but they might find themselves um, if they win out here. They're they're that they could be a four seed. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're ranked in the top twenty five right now, and I know that that's. You want to make them my four seed and Tennessee my one seed? Whew. That's fine. This is one of those years yeah. where I just the matchups matter so much oh, man. that I'm going to get way too into the seeding. All right. So uh, as we talked about. Uh, MSU, Purdue, and Michigan all neck and neck right now. But with the remaining schedules, um, we have uh, we have Michigan State with the seventh most difficult Big Ten schedule remaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue with the third easiest remaining, and Michigan with the most difficult. Uh, Michigan's per- is tough. Yep. So uh, that statistically puts Michigan State around about fifty-seven percent chance to share a conference title and a twenty-eight percent chance to win outright. Purdue at uh, 49% to share, 20% to win outright, and Michigan at about 38% to share, 15% to win outright. Yeah, and... Quite the turnaround. I mean, this is interesting because, well, A, I mean, talk about a a change from one week to the next, especially in the difficulty of your schedule. I mean, it shows you how much that Wisconsin game really factored into the difficulty because we were talking Mm -hmm. about the third most difficult. Now it's down to seventh, right in the middle of the pack. Um and Purdue's went from easiest to third easiest somehow. Well, because they had their toughest game. Yeah, but it's no longer the easiest. But it doesn't make any sense. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Either way. Um, so it means the other teams on their schedule won some games. Uh, Michigan losing that game against Penn State is looking real bad for them right now, all things considered. They have a difficult, but they, they have a brutal stretch. Two games against Michigan State and a game at Minnesota, at Maryland. I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, now I, I think to talk about this positively, like Michigan state is in, they control their own destiny here yeah. for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's true. At, 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 if we talk about it strictly from a splitting perspective, yeah, they control their own destiny. Now, again, that is the, the most silver of linings and the most lipstick you can put on a pig for a situation where yeah. Nick Ward's getting hurt. But right now you get, you win a banner. I mean, in all likelihood, win five games. Win five, and you split a banner. Yeah, I don't even care about splitting. You get a banner. Right. Yeah, you get to hang something. So So, uh, it's exciting. It's what's tough though is um, as we talk about here with the games to go. Purdue doesn't have many tough ones left. No. Uh, This week, this might be their toughest. They well, nah. They do go at Indiana, who I just don't. Yeah, maybe not. What am I talking about? No, Indiana stinks. 
But there is something to be said about a rivalry game at assembly. There's something there. I mean, Indiana now sitting at 4-10 and 10 in the big time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not and good. you guys wanted Crom team to show himself out the door. <laughs> Tuesday, uh, you also have Maryland headed to Iowa. Iowa, all of a sudden, uh, 9-5, and five, tied with uh, Wisconsin here for fifth. But Iowa, they've really used all their season luck. Oh, you hate to see it. That is our things you hate to see this week. They've used their luck to beat uh, a Northwestern um, at the buzzer. And then the very next game... At Rutgers. And then one of the crazier plays I've seen. Uh, one of, probably, if you had to put a percentage to it, shots being made the I don't know way how, it was made had to, has to be one of the lowest percentage shots you can take. I don't know. I can count on one hand the amount of time I've, I've seen someone make a three that banked in f- when it was a corner three. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Like, the percentage it, chance on that is incredibly low. So if you didn't see it, Iowa throws the ball the full length of the court. It's tipped. Doesn't go to the intended person. Bounces. Freshman Joe Weiskamp, who will be a problem in the Big Ten for years to come. Correct. Catches it, turns, and flings it. It hits the top corner of the backboard and, backboard and falls in for them to win at the buzzer. Super weird. Um, and Rutgers. They, I mean, it's Rutgers. They knew. <laughs> this is what just happens to you guys. Yeah, sorry, fellas. So, uh, another big game. And then on Thursday, Michigan travels to Minnesota. And we'll talk about why that's so important, because... Michigan State plays a Rutgers team on Wednesday. Michigan travels to Minnesota on Thursday and will be returning late, late Thursday night, probably actually in the early Friday morning. Michigan State will have had the whole day to prep, Michigan only getting two days of practice, and actually a day and a half because these kids, you know, you're exhausted. Yeah. Uh, So that is something to keep an eye on here, and MSU needs every advantage they can get going into that. We will take it. Do you want to take a walk us through some national games? There's some big ones. Yeah, this is a big week. I mean, obviously, we're, we're getting towards the end of the conference season. You're getting down to March. Um, games get a little more important. Uh, nationally, the, the biggest one during the week this week is North Carolina travels to Duke. Um, UNC, this is going to be interesting because UNC is a talented team. Maybe good. Maybe good. I've been pushing them that they I know. were good I, all I'm, year. I'm listening, but I'm not there yet because okay. they just lost to Virginia last week. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I know, but we're saying they had them at home. They should, and they should have won that game. They're eight in Ken Palm, twenty and five. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm okay. just saying they're. I'm not. I'm still not sold, and I've watched them kind of a lot this year. Uh, and like, I haven't. Nas Little just like doesn't make an impact. It's Kobe White. It's their their point guard. And Luke May somehow and Luke May is still there. Is for whatever reason still Duke will probably be favored by. This is crazy. A number one versus eight matchup. Duke may be favored by double digits. Yeah, and that's crazy to me. I don't think Duke wins that game by double digits. Um, Saturday's a big day. We've got about five different games here. Uh, first, we've got Virginia heading to Louisville. Wonder if the Cardinals can bounce back against, a, a, obviously, a great Virginia team. Virginia. Remember, we talked about, is it last week, Virginia may lose four games this year, all the Duke. They beat Virginia Tech, their big tonight, rival yep. tonight or on Monday night. It's gonna play out that way. It's, it's looking like it. It's um, just gonna happen. Tennessee has a chance to get a a big, honestly, a big ranked win for them when they travel to the Bayou uh, and go to play number thirteen LSU. I would not want to be the next team Tennessee plays after they lost that game to Kentucky. Yep. Um, Florida State then heads to who sneakily 
Yep. All of a sudden, 16th in the country. Leonard Hamilton, man. He uh, he puts together these teams with like 12 players that play, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and you don't know like who's who when they're out on the floor. They all have like the same skill set. It's unbelievable. Um, but Florida State heads to Chapel Hill. UNC will either be trying to bounce back from a possibly humiliating loss to Duke or trying to not freak out because they actually beat Duke. So either way, tough, can, tough can, game. Can I jump in on that Florida yes. State thing real quick? You're not exaggerating. I'm not. That that team actually plays 12 guys who average eight minutes. That's what I'm saying. They did it or last more. year too. They did it last year too. It, They've it, done it all. It's it's even when they how? have high draft picks like Jonathan Isaac, who if you guys remember was a top 10 pick from there, not maybe two years ago. Uh, didn't even average a ton of minutes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I think it's kind of genius because, like, if he can't get elite players, like, yeah. at the very least, it's like the VCU, VCU concept. Man. So, again, maybe add them to the list. I don't know. Um, Duke goes and plays at Syracuse. Oh. This sneaky. I put well, sneaky. I, it's not, though, because Syracuse already beat Duke. That's a good point. But Duke can't shoot. That's what I'm saying. Duke can't shoot. Duke did score 92 points in that game, I think. But Syracuse, <laughs> Syracuse scored 94? How? That's a huge problem. If I, there's been a red flag against Duke all year, it is that game. Because that's a bad... This is not a good Syracuse team. And then two more. Damn it. I hate Syracuse. Sorry, man. Join the club. Yeah. Saturday, again, like you mentioned, five huge games. Kansas travels to Texas Tech. And really, what could determine if Kansas has a chance to play for the Big 12 title or not. Because then they have to do a quick two-day, one-day turnaround. They play on Monday, Kansas State at Kansas, which truly nothing the Big Twelve does makes any sense. It's true. Like this is a that's a horrible schedule. Why would that happen? Why would that happen? And then they refuse to have a championship game in football. It's a whole thing. So the only reason I put those on is a those are four three really good teams, and b the Kansas championship watch is on oh. DefCon one right now, but do they're it. hanging in. Come on, Texas Tech. Well, I added one team to the teams you don't want to play list, and I mentioned them already. Um, Nevada. Uh, Fresno State heads, heads to Nevada this week. Fresno, or excuse me, Nevada, plus they only lost one game this year. And I and I know, and I know. And you're going to say, yeah, but... What, Nevada? Yeah. No, Nevada's good. No, I know, but like 24-1, and one, I think they're just really slept on, you know, because they, they don't have a tough schedule. And they did... Lose a really their loss was so bad. They lost by twenty seven in their one game at New Mexico. I will say that I think the reason you are going to get more teams this year that are slept on, like mm-hmm. you're going to get into the tournament, and unless you're like a real college basketball head, you're going to see some of these teams and be like, "Wow, I didn't know that player was good. I didn't know this player was good." Because no one cares about any team but Duke. Like it's seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's so Duke that like. We're missing out on greatness. From I know other it's teams. it's really, and that's why I call these games out to you because there's a lot of other fun, good hoop out there. Nevada only has two Q1 wins; they're two and zero, but they have ten Q2 wins. Wow. So, like when you're tw- they're twelve and zero in Q1 and Q2, that's a lot. It is a lot. I like, remember, and I t- I told you, you know, Michigan State had had uh, the most in the country, or excuse me, thirteen. They have twelve. Yeah, it's a I lot. Mean, so. Uh, that's why I don't want to play them. Um, they have something. To I'd play. rather not. They have two twins that are big swingmen too. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. So, and the last thing, talking about Duke, um, they're the only team left without a road loss after the Tennessee loss at Kentucky. They've only played six road games, and as of February 18th. 
So they're the Michigan of college basketball, Michigan football of college basketball. That is the second least in the NCAA, and only because Hawaii has played five, and there are <laughs> there are rules about that yeah. because of the travel. Right. So it's just unbelievable that they somehow never play away games, even like when you're supposed yes, to have somehow. like ten or eight or nine and nine in the ACC or whatever. They're like, no, Duke gets fifteen. Yeah, home that's games. just because of course that's how it works. So uh, let's let's do our quick preview of Rutgers and then Michigan here. Yeah, so Rutgers we won't spend as much time on. But um, quick reminder before we jump in here, Michigan State still the only Big Ten team to have never lost to Rutgers in football or basketball. Very important. Very important. And I'm going to remind everyone until the day it ends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Important. So last. hopefully that goes beyond Wednesday. Hey, last game, which feels like ages was, ago. I mean, it was. Uh, Langford and Ward were starters. And actually, uh, a better time. <laughs> combined for 34 points, and Matt McQuaid didn't play. Ah, this was when Matt McQuaid was hurt. Yeah, so uh, Michigan State was only up two at the half, um, and their two best players, uh, Eugene Amaroyu. Amaroyu. Thank you. 6'7 forward junior. Remember, he had 16 and 11, had a nice little game. And uh, Geo Baker, their spark plug guard, um, had 10 points, three assists, but was just not great from the field for 13. Y- yeah. Yeah, I mean, this Rutgers team, I, I do think they deserve some credit. Like, this is not – this Rutgers team, when you think of just Rutgers athletics, you think of just a big pile of garbage under that's been cooking under the sun for far too long. <laughs> Look at you give a sub-500 Rutgers team dad. But that's just where we're at right now. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, like, they've Ooh. lost bad games this mm-hmm. year, but it's not – it's not the same level of dog shit that it usually is. Like, they lost to Fordham this year. Uh-huh. But aside from that, you know, I don't know. They've be- I just look at it, really, and they've won games. Like, they beat Ohio State. Okay. They beat Nebraska. They beat Indiana. They beat Northwestern. They beat Penn State. Of that terrible group of teams mm-hmm. in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. they are one of the better terrible teams. And when sure. you're and when you're Rutgers and you're not You'll the worst that. of the worst, that. that's a major step forward to me. So yeah. and, and shout out to Steve Pickiel for like making a non like they're going to make the postseason. Now you got to be 500 or above to make the NIT. They've got Michigan State, wow. Minnesota, mm. at uh, Iowa, mm-hmm. Penn State at home, at Indiana. And they're mm-hmm. one game under, so they have to be. <laughs> gotta, all right, never mind. It's, it's, gonna looking, be tight. it's looking dire. Now they can certainly play in the CIT. Yeah, the college. Do it. Something invitational, invitational tournament. tournament of champions. I hope they go, but you know, to be fair, mm-hmm. uh, they gave Michigan State uh, right. all they could handle and lost by nine, and they lost by five at Wisconsin. The very next game again, that was back. They're in not embarrassing themselves, and that to me, again, big big deal. It's true, and in this game, it's going to be. Uh, not as fun as we were making it out to be. Um, <laughs> we talked about uh, how the rotation needs to be figuring itself out. It's not going to be pretty. Fortunately, Rutgers cannot shoot. No. They are 318th in the country in uh, e- uh, effective, effective field, goal. field goal percentage at 46.7% and 31.5% from three, which is 299th in the country. Yeah, I mean, when you look at... This game, and you're looking at it from a Rutgers perspective. How do we win this game? Mm-hmm. Like this is at Michigan State. Yeah, you know this is a team that's admittedly undermanned. Mm-hmm. Like they have a legitimate size advantage in this game. 
if you're going to come into East Lansing and upset Michigan State, you are going to have to do it on the boards. You're going to have to win the offensive rebounding battle. You have to win the defensive rebounding battle. And you have to force someone other than Cassius Winston and, and here's, to beat you. And here's what's unfortunate for Michigan State. You talked about the rebounding. That's like the only thing Rutgers is good at. Right. They're the 31st, That's not good. 31st in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So they're, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, uh, you know, like we said, although it's because they can't shoot for shit, right? But, but there's but, plenty of opportunity. But exactly, exactly. But um, you know, it's a big red flag, and they do go ten deep. Now they're not skilled, but when you are under man like Michigan State, and it becomes a ticky tack follow right. game. Uh oh. Yeah, I mean, you get into you're getting into some weird. You're going to see some weird matchups, some weird minutes here. This is MSU's first game without Ward. Yep. So you're going to have some adjusting. Um, this is really, to, to me, this is one where we're going to introduce a little sub, you know, a little way we break these games down here. Now we talk about an offensive and a defensive X factor and a big matchup to watch. Offensively, um, you, you know, with this one, it's can someone besides who besides Cash is going to score? I think Cash is going to get his. I feel mm-hmm. like that is at this point what removing Nick Ward from the equation does is it truly forces. Mm-hmm. This is, we've been saying it all year, it's Cash's team. Now it is, there's no plan mm-hmm. B. Mm-hmm. Um, but those other guys, the rest of these guys are going to be playing are going to have to make shots. They're going to have to do their job. It's going to have to be like that stretch uh, against Ohio State where they're stepping up yeah. making threes when they're open. I mean, Cash's may not do as much, I mean, if they give him the defensive attention that he deserves, especially given his surrounding parts, um, he's still going to be able to get other people the ball. It's yep. going to be up to them to finish. Now, again, Xavier Tillman, I think, is a huge key in this game because he's one of the only guys who legitimately has any business being in the paint that's left on Michigan State's team. I think this is a big opportunity for to, to throw Marcus Bingham into the mix. He's one of your only guys left with size and can block a shot. Yep. I think if nothing else, moving forward, he's five fouls um, against a team that can't shoot. It's not a terrible approach. Um, I don't think Michigan State defensively is going to have that hard of a time as long as they can survive on the boards. But really, we have no idea offensively because you haven't seen much this entire season. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess I shouldn't really say that because there are long stretches of game where Nick Ward goes to the bench again. Tillman plays 20 minutes a game, and Mm -hmm. most of those minutes are without Nick Ward on the floor. Mm -hmm. So we have seen that team. It's more of that we haven't seen that next MASH unit. Now, I think you said it earlier, there could not be a better game for Michigan State to be playing right now. I mean, yeah, if you had to choose any Big Ten team to play right now at home, it's probably... It's Rutgers, it's Rutgers, right? It's absolutely Rutgers. I mean, you, like Penn State has. Yeah. Well, they just did something dumb in beat Michigan, right? So, it, it. I would. Yes, this is the best case scenario. Now, offensively, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's going to be up to see who else can score. Defensively, I mean, Kithier, go on, baby. Like this is it. Big big boy shoes are, are the big boy pants are on now. Yep. And again, like you said, this is a. Good rebounding, the very good rebounding team. You have to hold your own. You have to. There's no and and I think one of the other really important things is Kyle Arns, Aaron Henry, especially those two. You need to be crashing the glass. You need to be getting rebounds. Aaron Henry's perfectly capable of doing it. He's a big body already. Mm-hmm. Go in and make that difference. And if you're Gabe Brown and you get minutes, 
you better be crashing that class. If there's one way for one of these subs to really stand out now, it's it's by doing just that. So, I mean, ultimately, I think you would agree this is a game that Michigan State, even under man, should win. Yes. Um, and, and Doesn't mean they will. They should. <laughs> that the you, you can't win the conference, but you can lose it, the championship t- Great on, point. on Wednesday. Great Good way to put it. So uh, on Sunday, Michigan State travels to number seven, Michigan, a top ten matchup, um, regardless of outcomes during the week. Um, we'll jump right in. Michigan State hasn't played them yet this season. We've been watching from afar. Uh, we'll go through their best players. Uh, they've been relying on a freshman. Um, Braz Dacus, 6'7", uh, forward. Who's averaged 14.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, and is a 38% three-point shooter. His production has slowed um, as he's gotten to the conference season. That is to be expected from all freshmen. Not surprising. Um, there are other uh, top players. Jordan Poole, 6'5 guard, uh, sophomore, averages 12.8 points, 3.3 rebounds, um, and is 38% from three. He's a hero ball guy. He's a guy that um, is, a, is a no, 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 yes guy that we talked about before and a guy that John Beeline loses hair over. I mean, he, he can't, he can win you games and absolutely lose you games. I mean, he can get as hot as anybody in the conference yep. and he can also go absolutely ice cold. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, that's a matchup that, you know, we're probably going to see, um, gosh, pro- probably Matt McQuaid. I would think Matt McQuaid. Maybe. Uh, depends on how the matchup with Charles Matthews. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you have Xavier Simpson, uh, six foot point guard, uh, averages nine points a game, five rebounds, which is uh, third on the team for a six foot point guard. It's pretty interesting. Six assists, and he's twenty nine point five percent from three. Just for reference point and context, Tom shot twenty nine point one percent for his career. Xavier Simpson is the very definition to me of a bulldog. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's also the only player that has consistently eaten Cassius Winston's lunch in their matchups. He has, he is as good a small defensive guard as you're going to find. Mm-hmm. He's offensively more capable than a tum-tum, although the percentages are the same. Um, he's not, but however, he presents a similar issue for them that he presented to Michigan State a year ago. He does not provide spacing. Offensively, he can get to the lane definitely better than Tom Tom, and, and that's great. But from a defensive perspective, when you're looking at, you know, Cassius Winston's probably guarding him straight up. Yep. You don't feel uncomfortable with that. So so Xavier Simpson has developed a shot, because I want to just get ahead of this, because everyone's going to see it and say, that's luck. He has a shot that is a sky hook from a point guard. Yep. It is um, not a mistake, and it's not. It's not luck. He practices it, and usually when he gets switches on ball screens, um, he can even use it against big guys. That's how he gets buckets and lands from the right side uh, with his right hand. It's it's odd. It's, it's annoying. It's annoying. And then, uh, but you, like you said, Xavier Simpson, uh, Cassius Winston matchup will be huge. And one to expect about him is Xavier Simpson is going to do after every uh, defensive rebound from Michigan State will look to disrupt the fast break by jumping the 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 kick out or the um, outlet Inbound, pass yeah. the outlet pass and um, that's how they're going to try and limit limit uh, Michigan State from running in this game. Finally, Charles Matthews, their six six senior transfer from Kentucky a handful of years ago, uh, pretty consistent thirteen points a game, five rebounds, thirty three percent from three. 
Um, he is their best wing defender. Uh, he and Matt McQuaid, if they guard each other, will likely, um, I guess, you know, cancel each other out. It would probably be a mistake to put Charles to waste Charles Matthews uh, on Aaron Henry. Yeah, uh, you you just want to take McQuaid out if I'm beeline, and probably vice versa unless McQuaid matches up against Poole. So, yeah, it's and that's it. That's, like, like truly, all four of those guys, if I'm correct, average thirty plus minutes a game. Well, and then the last guy, which is our X factor, is John Teske. Yeah. So we'll. Yes. Defensively for Michigan State, huge, huge test, both literally and figuratively, is going to be the seven foot one center John Teske. Large dude. Capable. The size presents itself. I mean I mean the size speaks for itself. How the hell is Michigan State gonna guard a seven foot one center? It's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be I'm not sure how well it's really gonna go. Now Teske can shoot it a little bit. He's not gonna blow you away. Mm-hmm. Really an in any way, shape, or form, he's not going to blow you away. But against what Michigan State is going to be rolling out there, function over form, I guess. Um, to me, it's the type of thing where if he gets the ball down low and you're in there with Thomas Kithier, you're in there with Marcus Bingham. Bingham, I think, is probably, again, from simply from a size perspective, I wouldn't hesitate to give Marcus Bingham tick against John Teske. Because he has length that can disrupt a shot. He can block a shot a little bit. Um, but it's one of those to me where if you're down there with him and he's getting position on you, grab him, foul him, move on. Unless you're Xavier Tillman, if you're one of the backups, that is. That's so cool. that's going to be a huge deal. Now, offensively, I mean, to me, this game is dictated in the, the Winston-Simpson matchup. Now, Cassius doesn't have to win by a landslide, but he cannot lose. That's right. He cannot lose that matchup. He because this team just can't win without it. I mean, there's just it, call it what it is. What compounding that is that you have Charles Matthews out there too, who's a very good wing defender, like you said. Your two guards, really the only two guys who can play point guard in this game, because Foster Laurie will get destroyed. He might get Andrew Maxwell against Bama if he goes up against Xavier Simpson. Truly, I think Xavier Simpson would just eat him alive. Um, I'd love to be wrong, but. Cassius has to win that matchup. He has to win that matchup. He can't lose it offensively. He can't lose it defensively. Like he has to be, he has to be the best player on the floor. And and I, I think he is. I think he is. Yeah. But he has to play like it in this one. Um, I think that MSU really. This game's gonna be dictated again. I think in the in the backcourt. Jordan Poole. I mean, if he goes off, he goes off. I think I'm okay with Aaron Henry covering him. Uh, Aaron Henry still, despite his offensive issues, is a plus defensive player who can give Poole issues with size. Mm-hmm. And Poole's more of a shooter than a slasher. So if you're talking, you're just going close out, close out, run him off three-point line. Brez Dacus, I mean, if you're going to – Kenny Goins covering him is a, as good a matchup as Michigan State can ask for. That's right. So the backcourt offensively, MSU is just – got to make shots when you get them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be efficient. The part that scares me the most about this game is twofold. First, turnovers. Uh, Michigan State still bad <laughs> with turnovers. Still bad with turnovers. Although they have only turned the ball over ten times in each of the last two games, they have to do that at a bare minimum in this one, in my sure. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that you don't have somebody who can get John Teske in trouble scares me. 
Nick Ward can get him in trouble. Yep, that's about it. And and you're right. And and it's going to be so big. Is how do you how do you disrupt the John John Teske's uh, post presence? Because when you don't have a Nick Ward who can move him off the block, right? Those those layups come a lot easier. You know, if MSU is going to win this game, um, it doesn't have to be a. It can't be a lot from one person. It's, right. I think we already said it. It's it's a little from a lot of people. It's it's going to be six points from Aaron Henry. It's going to be six points from Thomas Kithier. It's going to be eight from Arns. It's going to be ten. It's just and and, and on it's top a of team. on all of it and and Cassius is going to have to have a good game. A, a plus yeah, game. There's, there's no... With all of those other things. Yep. I will say the part that scares me about this game is whether Michigan State can score. Defensively, I, I mean, would you like to have another big, like, Nick Ward there that can push Teske out a little bit? Yes. Is John Teske going to beat you? Is John Teske going to go off for 30 points? Sure, hope not. I'll take my chances. Um, I think defensively Michigan State will hang in. Unless unless U of M just gets absolutely red hot, MSU is still a plus defensive team, um, and Michigan only goes seven deep. Not that Michigan State doesn't yeah. go much. Not that Michigan State goes much further than that, but you, it's not a team that's going to just keep rolling guys out, run you off the floor, and bring out something that you haven't seen on film all year. So yeah, MS, So Michigan fortunately doesn't turn people over quite as much as, as other teams. That's good. However, they are the best defensive team in the conference, even better than Wisconsin overall. Um, we saw Penn State upset them. They did that because Penn State threw something out that hadn't been been, been done before. They started the, a, a long-stretching 1-2-2 zone that confused and made Michigan uncomfortable and turned it into some some a little luck on top of that and hit some big shots and threes and, and had a lot of momentum, right? And, and that's great. Michigan State, as a program, generally doesn't do anything different, ever. They <laughs> are going to always just try and beat you straight up. And they were good enough to do it at Wisconsin. Michigan is a better version of Wisconsin. Can Michigan State straight up beat Michigan without Nick Ward? I do not know. It would be very hard for me to It would believe. be very impressive. I will need to see a wrinkle. And I don't know what that wrinkle is, but I will need to see a wrinkle. And that and the wrinkle can't be, I hope that Cassius Winston has 30 points. Right. I mean, when you look at how Penn State won that game, you have Lamar Stevens scoring 26 and Miles Dredd scoring 17. Um, that's hero ball. I mean, they got beat by hero ball. And then you look at what Michigan did. You had Poole going 7 of 18 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3. Xavier Simpson going attempting 6 threes, going 2 of 6 from deep. I mean... Which is you get, and you only get 11 points from Teske and Brasdakis. Uh, that is not a formula that Michigan State should be looking to try and repeat because they're not offensively. They're not going to be able to do that. And defensively, you know, you're really relying on you're relying on bad shooting nights from good from what have been decent shooters. I mean, to, in Michigan, like you look at Michigan though, and on the flip side, you know, Charles Matthews goes eight of 11 from the field and scores 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the thought you teased it earlier. I like the thought of throwing some zone in against this team because it's still not it's not a good shooting team. I mean, it is at best an average shooting team. I mean, again, Brasdakis is a decent three point. He's a pretty good three point shooter. Matthews below average. Simpson can't do it. Poole can get really hot. 
if Jordan Poole gets hot in this game, this is a game Jordan Poole can win for them. They're not great offensively. They are they're not. No, they're not good offensively. They're 171st in the country in three-point percentage. They're 115th in the country in two-point percentage. And uh, they don't get to the free-throw line at all. They're 284th in the country at getting to the line. So if you want to try something different, the way they make their money, you know, the way they butter their bread is just stout defensive play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when Michigan State's down two starters, gotta find, you got to find something. I mean, you look at how, how they beat Maryland, too. I mean, they, they keep Jalen Smith and Fernando only go a combined 8 of 20 from the field. Eric Ayala, the guy who played really well against MSU, goes 0 of 7. Cowan, two, 4 for 12. This team is going to make you work for your shots, and you can't be inefficient against them. You can't. And back to the point we were making earlier, Michigan State does a great job still of getting good shots. They're going to get good shots against Michigan. I don't doubt that. It's just a matter of whether they can make them. This is on the road. This is going to be, this is a tough, this is a tough ask after losing Nick Ward. Now, I don't think this Michigan team is a vintage Michigan team by any stretch. I think those teams that made the Final Four would come in and dust this team, truly. And those were really those were national championship worthy teams. They would dust this team. Can I, say I think last year's team might beat this team. I don't think last year's national championship team was that great. And I'll say oh, I was talking about the Trey Burke squads. Okay, then I'm with you. Yeah, no, last year's team, I they're fine. They're fine. Um, but this is a tough one. This is a tough win. I mean, Michigan State has. The timing works to their advantage. I do think they can exploit some things here, but this is going to take everything they had against Wisconsin plus more. Yep, got to have a got to have um, a little from a lot of people yep. and and put themselves in a position to even have this game matter by taking down Rutgers. Yep, uh, this got to win. Got to win Wednesday first. So I think that about does it for us today. Um, for John, this is Austin, and we will catch you guys next week. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.